Hello, this is Brian Bullington, and I am pastor of New Song Family Church in Ventuk, Namibia. I'm so glad that you have joined us today, and it's my prayer that this podcast message will help you to grow closer to Jesus as you walk daily with Him. I, uh, I love it when people go through hard times and are on the other side and they're thanking Jesus for the hard times. It's, you know, when we watch people, we wonder, how can you do that? I got a message from a friend that um, was my f- friend from many years ago in Texas. <clears throat> but anyway, I've been praying for her. A lot of people have been praying. She got COVID, was on a ventilator, and, and uh, yesterday was getting out of the hospital. And she was sending me a croaky voice message to tell me she was getting to go home. And she was saying that she has to say how thankful she is for this God taking her through this because she had so much time to talk to Jesus. And she said, would you pray that I won't get busy again and miss this sweet time with my heavenly father. So when we go through trials, you know, sometimes we just can't, well, sometimes I, I'm ready for them to be over. But hopefully we can see at some place as God takes us through things that he's working in our lives. And like Annika said, that he loves you and that he thinks we're worthy and he thinks that we're special and he has not left us for a moment. You know, there was a time in the beginning, in Genesis, if you've read Genesis, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And it talks about in chapter one, where God starts each day creating a different part of the world we know. And he gets to uh, almost to the end of that chapter and he, they, he says, let us make man in our image and to be like us. And so created Adam in his image. And then he told Adam to be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, govern it, reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and the animals that scurry on the ground. Gave him instruction then and put him in charge and told him what his expectations he had over him. And it's, I always love this point in the Bible. You know, every day when God created something, he said, he said that it was good. Do you remember what he said when he created man? What did he say? Did he say it's good? It is very good. Do y'all remember that? I just think that's incredible. It is very good when he created man. And so God had that special relationship with man, with us, from the very beginning in the Garden of Eden. Then in chapter two, he creates Eve, and uh, God has already set the boundaries, and told them what they can do, they can have fun, but leave this one alone. And uh, so he set the boundaries, everything was peachy keen, and then we get to chapter three, and, um, Uh, Eve is tempted by the serpent, gives in, and convinces Adam to join her in this sin. And the Bible says in uh, chapter 3, verse 8, When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord called to the man, Where are you? Now, I love the thought of God coming to earth 
to walk with man. Started off in Genesis, coming to earth to walk with man. When else do you know about a, a time when God came to earth to walk with man? Jesus, this is that Jesus time. Jesus, that's it. God came to earth again to walk with man in the form of his son. So I think about that. So we're seeing that, that he's moving through in the cool breeze, cool evening breeze, and they heard him walking. They heard him coming. And you realize that this probably was a routine for them, that God walked through and they sat and talked with God and walked with God in the garden. And God calls to them and says, where are you? Ready for his meeting. Of course, God knew where they were. He knew what was going on, but where are you? It's our meeting time. Have you ever thought about what they talked about with God then? Have you ever thought about that? What Adam and Eve talked to God in the garden while they walked with God. There was no sin at that stage. There was no sickness, so they didn't have to confess anything. They didn't have to beg for healing. There was no death. They weren't grieving. There was no financial struggles. They weren't trying to make ends meet. No job hassles, no coworkers that drive you bonkers. And there were no children. What did they talk to God about? Think about that. You who are parents, how often do you talk to God about your children? So you realize, as they walked, what do you think they talked to God about? So I think we need to think on that. I think as we are going to concentrate on prayer in our month of praying and fasting, I think that we need to be very purposeful in thinking, what did they talk to God about? What were they enjoying talking to God about as they walked in the garden? Prayer is talking to God and listening to God. It has to go back and forth. Or you're doing a monologue. It's talking to God and listening to God. On Tuesday, we will start our church's corporate fasting and praying. We've done it for quite a few years now, and most of you know about it, but if you're new, uh, this is our time of me explaining it to our church family. Uh, God is always waiting for us to make time with him. He always is. But this month, we actually, as a church, set aside uh, time to pray for one another, so thus your prayer cards uh, to be praying. I love the thought that if you have a family member who doesn't know Jesus yet, when you put their name down, say their name is Brian, and you say, pray for Brian's salvation, that every one of us on that day beg God for Brian's salvation. How fun is that? I love the thought of that. I love when you put down that you have a child that has walked away from Jesus. On the same day, all of us will be praying together for your child to come back to Jesus. What a great idea. We will be doing this, praying for God's kingdom to grow, for our workers to be heading out into the harvest field. You'll be praying for your own special things that you haven't put on the paper. You need to be thinking through those. What would you like to spend this month? I've been making notes for my personal things, what I want to really focus my prayers on 
this month. I think about prayer and I think it is so mysterious to me. I just don't understand it. I don't uh, understand how it works, except I just love the one I'm talking to. I love God so much. How do you hear God speaking to you? I talked to the youth on Wednesday night about God speaking to us and how we pray and talk to him. And uh, Carl came afterwards and he goes, so Dana, how do you hear God speaking to you? It's a good question. Those of you who talk about prayer like I talk about prayer probably get asked that a lot. I was asked that uh, about a year ago, well, I guess about a year and a half ago now, about why I'm always talking about what God said to me. And as I tried to explain it, I was told by somebody very, very close to me that it sounds like that I uh, just have an imaginary friend. That was not very nice. Imaginary friend. So when I try to describe, when Carl says, how do you hear God talking to you? I kind of feel vulnerable because this is a very personal thing to me. I love talking to God. I started pursuing talking to God as a child, was taught by my parents. But I remember so clearly, so I can, I can start you know, this journey. I remember asking Jesus to be my savior and forgive me my sins at six. I remember that prayer clearly. I remember at six coming home from first grade and my mom saying to me, well, me telling my mom first, what a lousy day in first grade that my friend Daryl had pushed me off the swing and I'd gotten my dress all dirty. And I was showing mom and I was crying. I was so upset with my friend Daryl that he had done this to me. My mom says, you know what? I've been thinking. Your husband is probably alive right now. I went, husband? And she says, you know, he might be having a bad day in first grade today too. Everything that's happening to your husband is going to be for your benefit or it's going to hurt you one day. You need to be praying every day for your husband. Whoa. I just went, a husband? Hmm. I like that. That's pretty cool. So that night, I started praying for a husband. Not for a husband, but for my husband. And so as a six-year-old, I prayed six-year-old husband prayers and continued praying every night, every single night, wondering what he was up to. What was he doing today? How did his day go? God, would you protect him? Would you help him to know you? And as I grew older and older, asking God that he would just draw so close to this young man that he would be the leader in our family, our spiritual leader in our family. So I met him at 16. I met my husband at 16, married him at 19. So I started praying differently for this man. And then when he passed away, I started praying for that husband again. Ta-da. <laughs> so I was taught to pray very fervently and faithfully, I remember crying to my mom, 
that I prayed longer for my first husband than God allowed me to have him. I prayed every day. I learned how to faithfully pray for this husband, and God gave me two of them, two wonderful husbands. I learned how to pray as God was calling me to be a foreign missionary at eight years of age. When I came home uh, from the mission organization that our church did for children, and me coming to my mom and dad, and dad was washing that supper dishes, and I said, Dad, I think God's calling me to be a foreign missionary one day. And dad said, well, that's real sweet, honey. And I went, okay, he doesn't believe me. And I kept asking God, is that what you really want me to do? So I added that to my night prayer, prayed for my husband, and asked God, take me anywhere you want me to go. I'll follow you anywhere. So I started learning how to pray, children prayers. I prayed children prayers. Those children prayers kept growing and growing. At 11, I, I mean, I have markers that I can, I tell you, I remember exactly what I was talking to God about. Asking God 11, make me bold, make me brave, make me clearly to share you to people who don't know you. Would you really help me not to be afraid to share you? At 16 in Mexico, really hearing God's voice so clearly saying, I do choose you. I do want you to commit your life to serve me on a foreign field. In Mexico, in Guadalajara, Mexico, at 16, I told God, I will go anywhere you want me to go. At 16, I've met my first husband, and I asked God, if this is the guy for me, then you've got to call him to be a missionary. And one Sunday night, I never had told him I had felt called to be a missionary, and he went forward, and the pastor said that Barry had come forward to say he felt God calling him to be a foreign missionary. And I sat up and went, is that my husband? Is that him? Sure enough, it was. So as we kept moving, the prayers just kept moving with my life. And I started learning to hear what God's voice sounded like of walking in the garden, of just talking and thinking and wondering what God's up to and enjoying him. When Barry and I got married, uh, he felt like God was calling, was a mechanical engineer and he quit his job for, to go to seminary and we became so poor. And then I began to pray for just enough to eat for him and myself and our two small children that we'd have just enough to eat for that day. And I learned that God would provide just enough for the day. And I used to tell everybody, I have nothing that I want. I have everything I need. He kept providing one day at a time. Strange ways. I could tell you stories for days how God took care of us and taught me to trust him for just that day. And so when we went to, started looking at Burkina, learning to say, God, I'm scared to death to go to Burkina. People died in that country. Would you make me brave? Would you help me to go to that country? 
and we went. And then we were back in the States because I was now a widow with three children and asking God, would you help me to stand up? Would you stand me up? I'm falling apart. I don't have a husband. What's it mean your husband to the widow? Explain that one to me, God. How can you be husband to the widow? And so he started showing me that. How do you take care of my children, God? And he showed me that. How do you give me somebody else to love me? <laughs> and he showed me that. What a journey. Tears of joy, not sorrow. What a journey. And it just keeps going. Learning to hear his voice. Learning to cry out to him. Learning that he wants to just talk to me. Learning that he's just so fun just to talk to and to ponder with. I think so often that we forget that God tells us in James 4, 8, come close to God and he will come close to you. What an amazing verse. Come close to God and he will come close to you. I love that verse. Move in to God and then he moves in to you. I have a friend named Anna Tita right over there. I met Anna Tita when she was just a little girl. And <clears throat> she was shy. She's not anymore. <laughs> and she came to YWAP, was dropped off as a little 10-year-old. She grabbed my hand and did not let it go. Every week, Anna Tita held my hand. If I needed to do snacks, I'd go, Anna Tita, hold my arm, not my hand. I got to use my hands. So that's how our friendship started. So how old are you now? She's 15 now. And now she doesn't hold my hand much. But she does this, and I love it. She comes up, so she always does this. She probably does this some of you too. She comes and stands up right by me, and she says, hey, Dana. That's all. So I always hug her. Every time she does it, just hug her. Sometimes she just stands here while I'm talking to somebody. So I wrap my arms around her while I continue talking to somebody else. Sometimes she comes and just says, how you doing? That's all. I hug her, I say I'm fine. How you doing? Okay, I'm tired of homework. Are you? Not so fun? No, I'm done with school. Okay, hug her again, let her go. Then sometimes she comes up, stands there, there, and I go, hey, what's up? Do you need some help? I hug her, and I say, yes, I do, and I direct her. What a friend. What if we saw talking to God that easy? Drawing close to God that easily. Can you see it? Hey, God, hug. What you been up to? hug. I'm just taking care of the world, God says, as he holds you there. God, what am I supposed to do today? 
tight hug. I've got a plan. God, I'm exhausted today. Really tight hug as he gives us his strength. Drawing near to God so he can draw near to us. In Hebrews 4, I love this verse. I know y'all know this one. So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of grace, our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy, we'll find his grace to help us when we need it most. You and I, as children of God through Jesus Christ, have been given permission to walk straight up to God. You don't need a priest. You don't need anybody to stand between you because Jesus has already done that for you. And we get to walk right to the throne of grace. Can you imagine that? Do you run to it? I very often run there. I run to that throne of grace so I can find help when I need it most. You have been given permission to enter in to that. Last night, <clears throat> we had some of our son Zachary's friends over, and because Anya's in town, and she wanted just to, with the death of her mama, and so she wanted, before she leaves town, to bring all this friend group together, and Brian and I said, sure, we'll host all of you. So they came over last night, and they, like the interns, uh, have fiancés and are married, and the, uh, have changed the friend group as they came in. But what was so interesting was when Sino and Anya and Twaya and the boys all start walking in the door, I'm going, they all said, oh, feels like home. Because they used to live there. All these kids, that was their place. They were always in our home. And so Anya instantly, anybody want tea? She goes, opens the cabinet. She doesn't say, where's your tea, Dana? She opens it, starts making that. Then she starts putting things, people start bringing chips. I start seeing my bowls coming out with chips in it. She starts pulling out this and that. Everybody's moving around, getting things out of the fridge. Is this good? Sure. Everybody's just moving around. But the new people, the married ends and almost married ends, they just are kind of in the back. Do you see the difference in how we know our Heavenly Father? When you know him so well, you just move around with him. It's so comfortable. We are given permission, just like all that group of kids, we said, come into our home. And they were invited in, and they move around like it's theirs. How awesome is that? The new kids are going to have to learn it's also theirs. They just don't know it yet, that they can go in my cupboards too and make me tea. I love it. They just don't know me that well yet. So as we get to know our Heavenly Father, we start moving more boldly, more comfortably in prayer. We start really enjoying what he, he wants to say to us. And we don't just casually go, God, are you listening? We know he's listening. We know he's there. So our February emphasis 
going boldly to the throne of our gracious God who knows every detail about you. What I think is so fun about God when I approach him, he knows me so well. He knows everything about me. He knows my fear. He knows my sorrow. He knows my joy. He knows my weaknesses. So I can talk to him so easily. I don't have to explain anything. I can just talk to him about these things. When my grandson Logan was born, I went to help take care of the two-year-old Emma uh, to help his mom. Well, Emma at two had decided the world was just waiting for her. And if you didn't keep your eyes on her 100%, she was gone. And she never looked back. This, it was like this little powerhouse two-year-old. She didn't need anybody. So I had this great idea of taking her to the zoo <clears throat> where there was lots and lots of people. And so I get her a snack, and I sit down because I'm tired, and I watch her. She starts walking. So I keep watching her. But there's a line, because I know that I have to go get this child. So I get up. I go get Emma, come back over here. So I bring her back. I don't take my eyes off of her because she starts walking. And I know she will keep walking forever. Because I know her. I know that granddaughter of mine. I've had other grandchildren that just hold on to you. I have a Penelope that just will sit on top of me at all times. She does nothing without me. She holds my hands and pulls me to the next event. She never walks away. We do everything together. I know that about my Penelope. So when God looks at you, he says, I know you. I know your strengths. I know your weaknesses. I'm God. I can take care of you. I can hold on to you. I'll never take my eyes off of you. I got you covered. What a great thought when we approach the time, the throne of grace. And Joel, one of the facets talking about in chapter 2, turn to me now, God says, where, while there is time. Give your hearts to me. Come with fasting and weeping and mourning. Don't tear your clothes in your grief, but tear your hearts instead. Return to the Lord, your God, for he is merciful, compassionate, slow to get angry, filled with unfailing love. He's eager to relent relent and not to punish. Old Testament has quite a few times that they're being called to fast and pray, whether it's by God or by the uh, leadership, priests uh, calling the people to fast and pray. So that's Old Testament, but in the New Testament, and we, there's so many things you can say that's just not applicable today when we look at the Old Testament. But this, we go into Matthew 6, 16 through 18, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount says, and when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do, for they try to look miserable, disheveled, so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that is the only reward they will ever get. But when you fast. This comes after, in verses uh, right above that, two through four, it talks about uh, when you give, and then in verses five through eight, it talks about when you pray. So when you give, when you pray, when you fast. Very much what God is telling us is an expectation. Jesus assumes it's not if you pray, when you pray. Not if you give, when you give. Not if you fast, 
when you fast. These are the ways these are supposed to be done. We hear a lot about praying and, and giving, not so much about fasting, except now, spiritual fasting. I think if you're like me, you see a lot about fasting, right? As a health, uh, health benefit, a fasting as a health benefit. And that's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about a special diet just so you can reset your body's clock, although it will do that for you. Uh, it's a spiritual fast of, like those verses in Joel, of humbling our hearts, of our hearts breaking before the Lord, of our hearts crying out to Him, getting to know Him better and better, walking in the garden with Him, enjoying your conversation with your Heavenly Father. As you walk in the garden, you're praying. As you're walking in the garden, you're watching. Walking in the garden, you're worshiping. As we do this praying and fasting, he says to us there, do not do it with wrong motives, ever. Don't look, do it as the hypocrites. Don't make it look like, uh, don't let everybody just stare at you and, and see what you're up to. It's not for the praise of man. It's not out of legalism. It's not something that uh, you're going to manipulate God with. It's not a ritual that means nothing to you. It's not out of pride. God, you're really going to be amazed at me this month. Watch me. Not that one. Um, so when we do this, fasting, like God wants us to fast, is taking the focus off of ourselves and putting it onto God. In Zechariah 7, 4 through 6, the Lord of heaven's army sent me this message in reply. Say to all your people and your priests, during these 70 years of exile, when you fasted and mourned in the summer and in early autumn, was it really for me that you were fasting? And even now in your holy festivals, aren't you eating and drinking just to please yourselves? Eee. That's a tough one. Are we fasting and praying for ourselves? Or is this about our heavenly father? What can you look forward to in this month? A lot of you who've done this and do it, a lot of you do it on a regular basis. You take times to be fasting and praying. You know there's a lot to look forward to. It does strengthen your prayer life. We are earnestly seeking God. We're seeking him fervently. And uh, <clears throat> we're attaching going without food to our prayers, connecting those. And then when you get hungry, you pray. When you're craving something, you pray. You go, oh, I know why I feel this way. I'm praying. I'm going to do it this way. It's like tying a string on your finger so you can remember. I was telling Hunga this morning, if I ever want to remember something, I take off my wedding band and stick it under this ring, because this, this finger's uh, bigger, stick it under and, and put it there and hold it there. And then I, all of a sudden I, I feel, because I always know my wedding ring's there. And then it's not there, and I go, oh, and then I go, oh, yeah, I remember why my wedding ring's not there. It's over here, to remind myself. It's that same kind of a concept that you, whatever you do to make yourself remember things, this is for you to go, oh, I'm hungry because I am praying about this. This is very important to me. I want a victory. Here, I'm asking God, would he change this situation? We also can look forward to giving God more control of ourselves. I don't think anything screams how 
how self-involved we are than deciding you're giving up something. When you give up something, have you ever done this? Say, you know what? It's usually I do this. I've just eaten too many chocolate chip cookies, okay? And then I say to myself, I'm not eating any more chocolate cookies for the whole year. Well, the next day, because I've said I'm not going to eat any more chocolate chip cookies, then I start craving chocolate chip cookies because I said I wasn't going to eat chocolate chip cookies. And that's all I can think about was because of that. If I have it attached to prayer, though, then every time I'm going, I think the chocolate chip cookies are calling my name. I'm almost, mine do. Mine know me by name. And they say, come eat me. They really do. That's why they have to go in the freezer and be frozen. But I have been known to chow frozen chocolate chip cookies down, almost breaking a tooth. If I have it attached to I'm praying is the reason I don't get to have this chocolate chip cookie, then it changes everything. What a great privilege it is to go without that. Not a suffering, a privilege to be able to do that. <clears throat> We're all, often uh, so satisfied with our lives that to a point we don't even think we need God. You and I, I mean, I'm looking in this room, we all have different things going on in our life, but we're so blessed. Wow, are we blessed. There's no country invading this country today, is there? If you're watching the news. Are you scared of anybody, any country taking over your country today? No. Are you scared of anybody coming in and arresting all of us because we're worshiping God? No, we're so blessed. And I would say probably most of you had something to eat or chose not to have something to eat because you had a choice this morning. We're blessed. But it says <clears throat> that, we can <clears throat> that we can be so blessed and so satisfied. In Deuteronomy 8, but that is the time to be careful Beware that in your plenty you do not forget the Lord your God and disobey his commands, regulations, and decrees that I am giving to you today. But when you become full and prosperous and have built fine homes to live in, and when your flocks and herds have become very large and your silver and gold have multiplied along with everything else, be careful. Do not become proud at that time and forget the Lord your God who rescued you from the slavery of the land of Egypt. As we are fasting and praying, humble yourself before him and say, is there anything in my life that's a blessing that I have allowed to stand in the way of you? Anything. Your money, your job, your school, your sports, social media, friends, anything you can think of that's a blessing from God. Has it become something that you say, I'm going to be involved in this, and now I have no time for God? Ask God to help you put that in perspective again, to put it in under, back under to his authority. Not that you're not supposed to have those. He's blessed you with it. But that you realize, oh, how blessed I am, God. Thank you. Help me to use these blessings to bring you glory and honor. We also see that uh, fasting breaks down spiritual strongholds. Satan hates it when we do this because we are now saying to the spirit world, we're serious. 
So Satan really does. I know he hates it when we pray. Because when we pray, God's power is unleashed in this world. We pray and, and we start getting answers, godly wisdom and guidance. It will break your routine so you have more time to focus on God as you're thinking about how you want to do it. It's a continual prayer to God. That don't even say amen. Just keep talking to him. Day and night, when you wake up in the middle of the night, just talk to him. When you're moving from this to that, just talk to him. Pray for the salvation of our family members and friends, for our children to walk closely with the Lord and be protected spiritually. Pray that God will help you grow in your faith, to grow closer and closer. Ask him to help you to hear his voice more clearly, that you learn to listen for his voice. Try to, try to set times aside that you just say, speak, Lord, I'm listening, and just sit. See what he says. I think he has a lot to say. See what he tells you. Prayerfully choose what kind of fast you want to do. Brian and I have already been talking about how we're going forward, how we will do it. Prayerfully consider that. Think about um, what you're going to be giving up. If you um, choose at some point uh, to take that back into your life, don't give up. Put it back in. Start, start trying to do your fast again. It's not legalism. It's time with God. So don't feel like, oh, I messed up. I had a chocolate chip cookie. Well, that's fine. Start over. Put the chocolate chip cookies at somebody else's house for the month of February. Set yourself up. Get stuff out of your house, like chocolate chip cookies. Get them out of your house if they are a part of, of something you've given up. So you can stay uh, faithful to this calling that you feel like God has given you. Also think through medical issues that some of you might have medicine that you need to take with food or whatever. Uh, school, no more, I mean, no teacher wants kids passing out at school and just saying, sorry, our church is doing a fast. I don't ever think that that's real pleasing to God. Uh, at school or on the sports field. So think through that on your schedules. Also put God's word in. Spend more time with God's word so he can speak to you through his word. Enjoy that time. Have so much fun talking to God and reading his word. Uh, write out prayer cards, um, verses, stick them everywhere. Enjoy that, seeing God's word. Reminders that you're praying about these certain things. I, I put reminders on everything to pray. You know, I was telling the kids this week, I, you know, I put activities to things I'm praying for, and I do that always. And so my sister-in-law, because uh, she asked me, I was telling her about this. She says, I said, I have somebody that every time I brush my teeth, I pray for them. I told them I put them on my teeth brushing. So it's at least two times a day, sometimes more, but, you know, around a two-time-a-day prayer for this person. And I was telling her that every time I put my makeup on, which is every day, uh, that I pray for another person. But they get a one-day, one-time-a-day prayer unless God calls me to pray for them another time. So my sister-in-law said, what do you do so much in a day? And I said, put on lip ice when I'm in Namibia. And she said, put me on that one. <laughs> so my sister-in-law, Suzanne, is on the lip ice prayer. And so I pray for her so often, not so much now since it's raining, but she'll increase as we start drying out again. 
But put your prayer on things that you do in your day, normal things. Purposely plan your walking in the garden with Jesus. Purposely plan it. Don't just kind of jump into February and go, okay, our church is fasting. I wonder what I'm going to do. Plan it. Get excited about it. It's going to start on Tuesday. Get excited. Commit to pray for things that you get when you write on your name on that list. Commit to really pray through those things that day. If I put something on that list, I want to know that my church family has really prayed over that with me for that day. And I will be praying for yours on your day. There's a song called In the Garden that, um, it's an old song, and my mom always sang it, still sings it. Brian's grandmother used to sing it and play it. But it's such a sweet song, and the chorus goes like this, and he walks with me, and he talks with me, and he tells me I am his own, and the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. The joy I share as I tarry, as I slow down with Jesus. There's nothing like it. Don't miss it. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for calling us into this fasting time. I'm excited. I'm excited about what you want to do, what you want to show us what you want to teach us. Lord, as we draw close to you, we are certain you will draw close to us. Thank you ahead of time. Thank you, Lord, that we will not be the same people as we are today when we finish this month because we will know you so much better. Our hearts will be more closely aligned with yours. Our will would be changed and molded into your will, Lord. Lord, we give you our church family, we give you all the things we're going to be praying to you about. And Lord, we just thank you ahead for what you're going to do. In your name I pray, Jesus. Amen. This is Rico Veca, and I'm also a pastor at New Song Family Church. I want to thank you for listening to this message today. And it is my hope that you'll join us again for another New Song Family Church podcast.